My name is Father Mike Delaney and I'm the parish priest of the Kingston Channel Catholic Parish in the Archdiocese of Hobart. This is my homily for the 18th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Welcome to week two of our message series, Preparing for the Kingdom. Last week we saw how it's possible to plead to God to be generous in his mercy and that God actually does respond to our prayer granting us what we need, not always what we want. Our first reading from the book of Genesis told us of the audacious pleading of Abraham to spare the city of Sodom. When asking for God to be merciful if he could find 50 just men, Abraham finally prays, I trust my Lord will not be angry if I speak once more. Perhaps there will only be ten. I will not destroy it, he replied, for the sake of the ten. I know that there are times when we turn to God in a sense of desperateness, but I'm not sure that many of us would go as far as Abraham did. Why? Because God had already answered his prayer several, several times, but Abraham kept asking for more. This certainty that God would answer his prayer marks Abraham as truly our father in faith and provides an answer for us to continue uh, to pray audaciously. The other aspect of Abraham's faith is that he has a purpose. He is praying for the people, for someone other than himself. Our first reading today speaks about, how, what, ha about what happens when people focus on themselves and not on the needs of others. The writer of the book of Ecclesiastes says, Vanity of vanities, the preacher says. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. This ancient author saw how easily humans succumb to the attractiveness of the world and how we lose sight of the unique relationship with God as we seek to have more and more. I remember reading some time ago that you never see a removal van following a hearse to the cemetery. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes says, for so it is that a man who has laboured wisely, skilfully and successfully must leave what is his own to someone who has not toiled for it at all. This too is vanity. Another important aspect of last week's Gospel reading, where Luke gave us his version of the Lord's Prayer, a beautiful expression of how God wants to be with us. For the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Listen again to what Luke gives us. Father, may your name be held holy, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive each one who is in debt to us, and do not put us to the test. When we pray with and in and through Christ, we come to know God's presence with and amongst us in everything. God may not keep us from all harm, but because God's love is expressed in the Spirit and through others, we will never face harm alone. When we allow Christ to teach us to pray, we stop asking God to do our bidding, and we join Christ in doing everything we can for the coming of God's kingdom. Another aspect of the reading highlighted the generosity of God. After telling us how persistent prayer will be answered, Jesus then says, if you then who are evil know how to give your children what is good, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. Today's passage from Luke's Gospel speaks not so much about generosity, but rather highlights what happens when people think only of themselves and their wealth. It continues the theme from the book of Ecclesiastes as we hear the request of a man in the crowd who asked Jesus, Master, tell my brother to give me a share of our inheritance. Jesus responds by saying that he wasn't a judge or arbitrator and so wasn't the person to help him. But then, Jesus goes on to give a warning about how we should live. He says, Watch and be on your guard against any avarice of any kind, for a man's life is not made secure by what he owns, even when he has more than he needs. The passage proceeds with Jesus warning what could happen when a person focuses on ways to increase their wealth without having a proper focus on the things which are important. He tells the story, Fool, this very night the demand will be made for your soul, and this hoard of yours, whose will it be then? And then he gives us a very stark warning when he says, So it is when a man stores up treasures for himself in place of making himself rich in the sight of God. What I'm going to say next is not meant to be a political statement, but we have seen that seeking greater and greater wealth has done to the world. The financial collapse of 2008 was triggered by people taking unacceptable risk with other people's money to increase their own wealth, resulting in the bankruptcy of millions of unsuspecting investors and homeowners throughout the world. Even today, we can see people with already obscene wealth growing richer by the day. Yes, there are some who use their wealth to do great works for the needy and who donate to research programs looking to eradicate or find relief for many of the illnesses plaguing our world. But there are also many who use their wealth to promote various activities and behaviours that are meant to destabilise and or bring down governments. We saw an example of this last year in the aftermath of the US presidential elections. But it's not just right-wing groups who do this. In every country, there are people who use their wealth and influence, striving to get the results to suit them and suit their purposes. One commentator suggested, Our readings today are a clarion call to realise that all efforts rooted in self-aggrandizement and enrichment and nothing more than vanity of vanities. They're steeped in political and economic greed that has funded people into powerful positions who create and support new forms of ideology and idolatry, often sustained by untruths. As I said, this is not a political statement, but rather a call to be conscious of how easily we can be drawn into accepting one side or another of an argument or position and not see the evil that sits behind the argument. I know that that statement is itself provocative and is open to disagreement, but I believe that I'd rather question what is being said than simply accept all that I am told unquestionably. Paul in his letter to the Colossians gives us a very clear view of how we are to live. In fact, he makes an argument that, if we listen closely to what he is saying, 
it would make it easier to walk in the way of the Lord. Listen again to how he started today's passage. Since you have been brought back to life, true life in Christ, you must look for the things that are in heaven where Christ is, sitting at God's right hand. Let your thoughts be on heavenly things, not on the things that are of the earth. With both the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes and Jesus in the gospel, reminding us that focusing on wealth and the things of the earth are just vanity of vanities, which ultimately bring us no lasting joy, our real focus must be on the things of heaven. And despite our best efforts, it would be remiss of me not to acknowledge that we're all subject to having minds that wander whenever we come to prayer, so focusing on the things of heaven is not easy. One positive is to recognise that when we have a wandering mind, it is in fact a sign that we still have an active mind, and for that we should be thankful. It might also mean that we can use this gift to allow God to come closer to us, and so view these interruptions in our prayer as an invitation to see God in this present moment, and thus make our prayer more real. For the first step in praying is to come to prayer, and in fact, that's the best step we can take.